Hi folks, and thanks for listening to this Tortoise Shack podcast. I know you're already sick of me asking, but I really do need to ask you, if you're listening, if you get something, please give it back. And how you pay it forward, how you keep these podcasts free and available to everybody is by paying it forward on patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. We want to keep it going. We want to keep the project alive. And there are literally thousands of you listening. We need a few of you to put your hands in your pocket and help us keep the show on the road. And like we say, it's not a one-way street. You get our entire back catalogue in one consolidated feed. You get access to exclusives and invites to our live shows, our Sunday shows, which are always the most fun of the week. And you get the podcast as quickly as we can turn them around. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of effort. And I won't lie to you. It's very difficult right now. It's insane to see our listenership rising, but our membership falling. And it's a hard circle to square. You know, I know people are suffering out there, and we're suffering too. And we genuinely hope that we can get through this phase, but we don't do that without your support. So, you know, we don't want to have ads. We don't have sponsors. We don't want to have to pull punches. The topics we talk about would not be... uh, advert friendly or sponsor friendly because we want to speak honestly and keep it at least from our perspective give the unvarnished truth that we're looking at so if you think there's a value to what we do if you like what we do if you want to keep these conversations going whether it's shrapnel or it's reboot or it's echo or it's glow west or it's built different or whatever it is if you think there's value in it Throw a couple of quid at it. It's patreon.com forward slash tortoise shack. There's loads of levels in there. And as I said, every cent really goes back into the project to keep the show on the road, keep the lights on, the mics on, and let's tell the truth to pay our bills. That's the only way we keep this going. Thanks for listening. I won't delay you any further. Enjoy the podcast. Hello and welcome to Echo Chamber Podcast. My name is Tony Groves and Martin. Um, we're, we're talking about the health service and, and, and about... Uh, Issues that that matter to you uh, a lot. You, you do look like someone in need of medical attention. Ah, yeah, yeah. I will get it eventually. <laughs> well, eventually, eventually. What was it you said to me yesterday? If if anybody is selling a colon, I'm in the market for it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, in the market for a colon. Well, at this stage, look, we're re- we're delighted to be rejoined on the podcast again by uh, Professor Anthony Staines. You will remember him. Uh, as as one of the the voices that was heard across the national airwaves when during the COVID pandemic, and unfortunately, Anthony, we're coming back to talk to you because we're worried that things are we're limping back in towards some of these situations where it's a confluence of events. Can you first of all, it's good to see you. How are you keeping? Very well, thank you. Busy. Um, yeah, I'd imagine so. And then, secondly, can I ask you for your kind of? ideas on well how you see things right now what's your how do you think we are what what shape we are in and is 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 it as bleak as i kind of have alluded to it it could be and we we don't really know what's going to happen we we know there's been a fairly consistent level of covid so there's several there's several hundred people in our hospitals all the time with covid the number goes up and goes down at the moment it's going up a bit there's a small number of people in intensive care with COVID who are very unwell. And there's a small number of deaths every week from COVID, none of which is desirable. And behind that, there's a lot of sickness absence from COVID. And there's an increasing number of people with long COVID, which is just significant symptoms after COVID that don't go away. 
and you know, WHO have been talking about it. The government has been talking about it. HSE is talking about it. So that's all kind of building up. What's happening with the virus itself is that it's changing. So there's new strains emerging all the time. And the ones that are coming out now are closely related to the various Omicron strains, which are running around. And it's not very clear yet, you know, it's not clear yet how much difference that makes. There, there are some, there's some concerning features just based on biology and immunology, which I, I think I understand a bit of, but how that will translate into clinical practice and how that will translate into spread is just not known yet and won't be for you know weeks to months probably. Um, but the the bet would be that COVID case numbers will either stay the same or go up. And what everyone is praying is they won't go up hugely. There won't be any very large outbreaks. Because if there's a very large outbreak, from most people do not get seriously ill with it, especially if they're vaccinated. But enough people do to put a lot of pressure on the hospital system. And can, added, I, yep. can I ask you about that, Anthony? How under pressure is the hospital system right now? This summer was as bad as the worst winter of the last three years. That's hopeful. That so, really is hopeful for, for not knowing what we're coming into could, this could, winter. Could you, be, could, could you maybe leave the sarcasm away for a but, minute? Uh, it's just, it's, it's really gobsmacking is what it is. It's, it's yeah. utterly gobsmacking. And I've heard anecdotally, there are a lot of people leaving the health service. A lot of people. The pressure is so much. I've heard there's a lot leaving. Yeah, I, I hear the same the same stories. And I, I deal with some some groups that are really trying to recruit staff. And it's, it's just very difficult with the best will in the world. But, you know, every, every health service has a kind of seasonal stress in winter just because there's more more flu, more RSV, more of half a dozen other viruses around the place. And a proportion of those cases end up in hospital. So, just, just, Anthony, but on the, that's okay. To just taking it at that as read that this is, this summer's as bad as any of our winters that mm-hmm. we've had every, every uh, winter we, we heard the new winter plan will be ready. It's going to, it's going to fix everything. And, you know, I, I don't know if you saw the a clip went viral of, um, um, Minister O'Donovan talking about these additional beds that they haven't mm. provided that they've promised, but you know, the, the capacity, even since the pandemic has not been increased, it's just not there. And this winter, this winter plan, if we were to look at it, I think someone said it's 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 almost in terms of resources, an equivalent of a two thousand and seven two thousand and eight um, size back when we back when we were supposed to be you know the peak of the Celtic Tiger. It's it's it 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 doesn't seem very uh, very. It doesn't seem like we've made a lot of progress considering what we've gone through as a nation. No, I th- I don't think that's unfair at all. Uh, what what scares people at the minute is that we haven't had flu for the last couple of years. And we know that flu is coming. Now, the Australians had a fairly significant flu season, not by any means disastrous, but, you know, fairly significant nonetheless. And the concern is we're going to have the same. And we don't really know when that's going to happen. Uh, But, you know, maybe January, maybe December, but we don't know. 
It, it could be sooner, it could be later. And if you add that to what we already have, you could easily see a situation where all elective care stops, where the hospitals fill up completely, intensive care fills up completely. And we're just not, we're just literally not able to cope with what happens. Now, you know, my healthcare colleagues will do everything they can. And I don't know if you heard the interview with Jerry Lane about the awful tragedy at Creaselock and how the doctors, the nurses, the ambulance people responded to that. I was just going to ask you about that. And I was, it was, I was just going to ask you. Major, major emergency plan put into place, of course, has mm. to be. That means that literally somebody walks around a hospital and says, can you walk out, mm. out? And that's what they do. Yeah. And what you're talking about for this winter is that for the entire winter. Yes. I think that's a, a very good way of putting it. It does show the commit. It does show the commitment of our staff and the commitment of patients. You know, that people went home who maybe otherwise would not have been going home. But I, I, I give you a quote from one of my clinical colleagues on Twitter, and what this person said was that the problem of the Irish Health Service is the the staff are in the wrong place. And therefore, the patients are in the wrong place. So the staff are in the acute hospital sector and the patients end up in the acute hospital sector because there's nothing for them in the community sector. And the whole point of Slauncher Care, which is now, what is it, five years old, was to do something about that. And it hasn't been done. So we're still in the same situation we were before, that a lot of people who could be managed at home with the right supports and managed safely and managed well at home. But because the supports are not there, they end up in hospital. And they are the kind of people who, they were able to walk out of Letterkenny when the, the crisis hit. Uh, and the, you know, the response in Letterkenny was, was astonishingly good. It's a, a textbook in how to manage an appalling disaster. But doing that all the time becomes very, very, very difficult. It's it's like mash hospitals. It's 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 patch them up, turn them around, stick them back out. And I've had that experience all mm. year. I know what I'm talking about. You know, yeah. It's that they don't have the time to do what needs to be done to keep you. They will give you the the best, excellent care while mm. you're in there, mm. but they have to kick you back out. Yeah. And you end up representing again and again and again. And this is what's happening. And it, it's self-perpetuating at this stage. The lists can, are self-perpetuating more lists. Can I ask, can I ask on, on one positive note? Um, there's, there's been some recruitment in the public health sphere. We've mm. seen uh, ramping up on, on, you know, at least a structure and a policy. Some of the people who were who were doctors during the pandemic are now consultants, as they should have been, befit to their roles. You know, we've seen some of these things. Uh, can you is there is there a sense that at least some structure is being put in place for the next time something comes out of a, a pig farm in, in Alabama? Yeah, a structure is being put in place and it's been one of the priorities for the Department of Health. Is what they call pandemic preparedness, and it's a there's a European network called Hera working on this, 
And Breda Smith, who's our new chief medical officer, is our representative on that. So, you know, please, God, if when when this happens again, Europe will be much better prepared. But it doesn't it, it that doesn't get us through the winter. I mean, what gets us through the winter is. I suppose the biggest thing we can do is we can get vaccinated. You know, we can get vaccinated against flu, get vaccinated against against COVID, get our boosters. Um, and is there a big rollout going on for flu vaccine at the moment? Yeah, there, there is. There's been a lot of publicity about it. Uh, most pharmacists are doing it. GPs are doing it. So it, it really there's really a huge push on to, to vaccinate both older people, immunosuppressed people, and also for the first time children against okay. flu. So that that can potentially make quite a big difference to what happens, because the you know, it, and it, this is all a question of numbers. If there's a few hundred critically ill people with flu and COVID, the the system will manage. It will be tough. It will be stressful. It will be very hard on those people, but the system will manage. If there's a few thousand seriously ill people, it's a different story. Yeah, and and, and you're already. Over capacity in most, I mean, we've seen this. We've seen A&Es have to say that mm. we can't take any more people in. Yeah. We've seen hospitals with waiting lists that just, I, I mean, I think the, the average waiting time for an over 75-year-old at the moment is 13.75 hours, mm. which is when you think 75 years of age. And indeed, you'll have younger people who are sicker than older people mm. who will wait longer. Yeah, I mean, my colleagues are doing their best, but they can only do so much. Yeah. And one of the messages that we haven't really taken on board, you know, Stephen Donnelly sent or said he was going to send, I don't know if he did it, he's going to send people around to every emergency department in the country to look at ways of making them work better. That's not the problem. The problem is getting people out of hospital to support in the community. Well, I was just going to say this to you. Wouldn't it be, and I, I keep thinking this, it's a very small fix. We need more carers, a lot more mm-hmm. carers, mm-hmm. a lot, lot more. We pay them a pittance. Well, then we need to take it out of the private market, Martin, because mostly, unfortunately, when we, not just like the individual, you know, you see, We've had you're, this conversation. You're preaching, you're preaching to the converted, Tony. Sure, I, know, I know, but I know, but we see but, these. We... But I, I do think that it's the one area where there is a quick fix to try and at least keep elderly people out of out of A and E's. Is to yeah. say immediately, we'll we'll give you fifty percent more or a hundred percent more. They're not getting paid that much. <laughs> they're saving the state billions. You know, just slice a little bit more off the billions and actually pay them so make it work the while to do it. And mm. there's a lot of people who could do it. And I think, too, to open it up to fit retired people mm. without actually affecting their income or their pension, because elderly people prefer elderly people taking care of them. It's just the truth. Yeah. It's just the way it is. And it's quick fixes. And there's thousands of those little quick fixes, but they all take moolah money spent in the right places. They do take money spent in the right places. Uh, and the other side to that is you need to, you can't just land on two carers, fairly sick elderly people with chest infections. That's not fair to the carer or the, you know, the home carer, the family carer or the person. So you've, you've got to 
put in place a, some kind of framework for managing them. Now, I was at the HSE National Clinical Directors Conference on Monday, and there was a demonstration there of Hospital uh, Tavalia project, which is hospital at home. And it's, you know, it's rough, it's ready, but it's a very simple idea that you you send people out of hospital who are well enough to be at home with support. And you send them home with a little device to monitor their oxygen levels that fits in your finger, a little device to monitor their breathing. And you have a carer coming in who's been trained to help them. You have a technician coming in to set it up if that's needed. Some people need it, some people don't. And you have someone watching it. And if the measurements start to go awry, the machine calls a clinical person to, to look and say, you know, the, this person's oxygen is going down or their respiratory rate is going up. And maybe they do need to come into hospital or maybe the on-call doctor needs to go to them or the on-call nurse. Yeah. But that's much cheaper than having them. And it's also safer. I was going to make the point on Martin's piece about the, it'll cost money. It, the, these actual things, when we find out the investment in those it, to save money because it stops yeah. all of the other stuff that's happening, the cost that we're, 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 we're if losing may, at the front end. Sorry, Martin, go ahead. If I may, Tony, and it's something Tony talks about, you know, housing, talks about housing a lot. Yeah. I'm, I was, I'm thinking about my aunt and uncle in America and they live in a retirement village mm. and they have a little small two-bedroom place. You know, if they want somebody over, they can have somebody over. They have little central spaces around yeah. it and there's a, a full medical team there on mm. call for how many ever people live in the village. And there mm. might be a couple of hundred people living in the village mm. and that we're so far behind the curve of where we need to be yeah. that it's impossible to see that we're ever going to get there. But we have examples that there's a place called Macaulay place, which is in, I, I apologize in advance. I can't remember if it's in Nice or Navin and I've been to it. Mm. And it's both it's, places no one remembers after they've left, so don't worry. <laughs> but this is a converted older building, and there are maybe 10 small apartments in it, which are intended for local elderly people to move into. And there's a restaurant on site. There is a there's a GP, it's in the center of the town. Yeah. There isn't a nurse on site, but there's a GP down the road. The health center is around the corner. There's a pharmacist uh, two blocks down. The, the shops are there. It, it's, so it's, it's one step back from where your aunt and uncle are living, but it's the same general idea. These people have moved, in many cases, from you know, big houses in the That's town right. that maybe they don't want to live in anymore. And they've, they, you know, no one's pushing them to do it, but the choice is there. That's, and that's exactly it. My aunt and uncle sold their house to, yeah. to do this. We we yeah. do have that facility, but we treat them like the satellites that remember every every town had to have a Woody's at the at the exit of, of a motorway. Uh, that's what we did with, with retirement homes as well. We we yeah. threw them out there and we said, and it became an institution as opposed yeah. to a part a community uh, area. That's what it became. The place you visited when you wanted to go see someone, not where someone who was who was living there could walk out and and contribute. We see this time and time again. It's a, it's again. I, the, the Woody's thing always comes into my head because we we you know we put Woody's at every bloody e exit of a motorway. We did the same. 
with yeah. uh, with elderly care, people with disabilities. They were institutionalized very, very early. Well, if- I, 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 let me just ask, and I'm going to ask Anthony about this. And there's a little bit of a crossover here between what you're saying and, and mm-hmm. what I'm about to ask Anthony. We had plans years ago for care in the community. Mm-hmm. And if you go into an A&E, any A&E in, these, in the country, there are a lot of people who would have previously been in some sort of institutionalized care mm. who are in A&Es. Mm. And the care in the community never actually came. And that burden merely shifted from institutionalized setting to an A&E. Mm. Is there anything can be done about that? There, there is. Um, and you know, we, we did parts of it. I mean, when we... we closed down the very large mental health places. We didn't, it was, what was done wasn't perfect, but it was a lot better than what some other countries did. So we did have community mental health teams, but they're focusing on a particular group of people and they're doing what they do. And I think they're pretty good at what they do. But there's also large groups of people who fall outside that network. So we don't have a lot in the way of community supports for people with disabilities. Not nearly enough. I mean, I work with Michael's House, which is an intellectual disability service, and our residents live in houses and apartments in smallish numbers, you know, typically two, three, four with a carer, because the, our residents are not able to live independently. They, they do need support. Yeah. But we, we, some, we give them a level of support that's related to what they need. But many services don't really provide that. So we, we still have a significant amount of quasi-institutional care provided. And we, we, we are moving away from that, but probably not fast enough. And that supported living, Anthony, is, is for people who can't live on their own. That supported yeah, living yeah. is as close to full independence. And it's something they all, uh, uh, people yearn for it, absolutely yeah. yearn yeah. for it. Can I just come in on that actual point? Because this is one, and again, I want to, we will we'll bring this to a head and talk a little bit about the, the unfortunate situation maybe we're going into. But mm-hmm. on, um, I always remember a particular case, and the woman has shared her story a couple of times on the podcast, but one of the reasons she was homeless Woman with disabilities, homeless, on the basis that the HAP qualification rent supplement she was entitled to didn't mean meant that she'd get a one bed where she wanted to be, but she needed a two bed because her care was such that in the morning she needed her carer to be able to be there to actually help her go back out into the world. And they said, well, you know, don't really qualify for that. And Mm. yet again, and we end up again, a young woman you know, uh, need, needed the supports. And I go, it's what Tom Clonan said to us all the time to, um, about his, uh, how society has tried to disable his son, mm. you know, and they've risen above it and they've moved, they've, 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 but they've worked in spite of it as opposed mm. to with the system. And, you know, you can talk to this disability activists, you can talk to people with disabilities and they will all tell you the same thing that, 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 Yes, well, the first thing they'll tell you is that don't ever call me brave, I'll kill you. They hate you know. And then the second thing they'll tell you is that they're that, that, that just because they're a success doesn't mean that's an out that they are the outlier because they're talking to other people who mm. who are left behind by a system that lets them down. And that's where we come back to that issue where Mark was saying, Anthony, if I could just, if you don't mind me going back to it, yeah, the 
the idea of this new flu season, I think, as someone who Martin, you know, I've been, I've had a chest infection the last few days. It's it's rampant around. We we've already. <laughs> He's actually been keeping his shirt on. Yeah, <laughs> I have. A, I, I have. Someone actually messaged me and said, "Are you okay?" And I said, "I said I'm a bit smothering." Yeah, I said you didn't you didn't post any 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 uh, stupid photos on Sunday morning. Literally, it said stupid photos. So, so there you go. <laughs> Everyone's a critic, Johnny. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> what well, I'd remind you what Clean and Nikialik said to us on this very mm. podcast. It's good for your immune system to get that skin out into the sun, Tony. Don't mind anybody else. You just <laughs> um, but as we that would be my my big fear is that this is already underway. And as we look into it, there's a perfect storm coming. People are afraid to turn on their heating. People are mm. afraid to um they're worried about those things. People will go without this this winter mm. whether it's eating heating or this mm. is the situation it's it's and it's it's tens of thousands of households making those choices now mm. I, I put it to you that we could actually be storing up more problems that are going to that are that we're going to see if we get a, a cold snap it could be pretty pretty grim it, it could be very grim and what we need to do about it you know we none of us controls the weather none of us can create new hospitals new consultants it takes six, six, eight years to train a GP. It takes nearly 15 to train a consultant. It takes, well, a remarkable length of time to build hospitals in this country. But what we can do is we can get vaccinated. We can wear masks in crowded spaces. And if you control a space, you can manage the ventilation or you can put in air filters. You know, you can't go around the place with a personal ventilation system. It doesn't work. But if you if you own a pub, you own a restaurant, you own an office, you own you're the management of a school, you can put in filters, you can put in proper ventilation. And though you know, that's what we can do. And after that, to an extent, it's in the, the lap of the gods. You know, the, the flu is going to hit us however it hits us. The more of us who are vaccinated, the less severe it will be. The same is true of COVID. We don't know what's going to happen with COVID. The what it looks like at the moment is that the strains that are circulating are covered by the vaccine we have in terms of you know avoiding serious illness, which is great. And there's a new vaccine available, which is two, which is covers two strains essentially, which is pro- maybe better, but is certainly no worse than the the previous version. And but it's no good if you don't get it. You know, all the vaccination yeah. in the world is no good if it's sitting in a fridge. It's got to be in your arm. If you haven't had your, if you if you've not had your vaccines, get them. If you've not had your boosters for COVID, go get them, because you're you're not. And it's not just yourself you're protecting. I mean, you you hopefully you will be if you get COVID, you will be fortunate and you will feel at worst sick for a day or two, and then you'll be you'll feel okay. But you know, I I have a colleague in in DCU who fell on unwell with COVID, and has been off work for nearly six months. Yeah. Very healthy person, nothing remarkable about them, just very unlucky. I've, I've, I, I know personally of, of a young woman in her mm. 30s mm. That, that came very close to dying with COVID. Yeah. Very, and, and her recovery is ongoing, yeah. ongoing. Yeah. Um, one last question from me. In the UK, they're coming up with warm spaces mm. for elderly people. 
And I actually think it's a good idea. Mm-hmm. And I've been thinking about it for Ireland. If you had to do it quickly, and you can I come in and just say just, it's, 20, just 20, it's, 20, it's 2022. Just, we should not need warm banks. End. Go on. Let me just get to the end. I, and I know Tony's dead right. We should not need. Yeah. I mean, if the Romans could provide light, heat, and sewage two thousand years later, we should be able to provide bloody heat. And it's a failure of governance, not just in Ireland but around the bloody world. Yeah. But that said. People are going to need warm spaces. And I've been thinking about in Ireland, where do you have warm spaces? And I've really, I think I've hit on the best idea. The best idea of all is gyms. Mm. Put nice, comfortable chairs around the edges of gyms for elderly mm. people to sit in, masked and ventilation and the whole lot. And they can or, sit or there. Anyone, not just elderly people. Yeah. And they can sit there and critique the people doing all the, the hard. <laughs> and the temperature be kept up by the ones that are working really hard. I think it's the most fabulous idea. I think it's brilliant. And, and honestly, you know, the price of a gym membership for six months to keep somebody alive in a cold spell is really nothing. Yeah. You know, it's nothing. You'll find, you'll find, go, 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 sorry, Anthony, but I will say, go, go check Patrick, uh, Patrick Frayne's brilliant article about libraries. Yes. That's, it's a few years old now, I think, but it's a, it's a gem of Ah, an article. There's more entertainment slagging off the ones doing all the stuff on the gym. And you know, you know, old people are great crack too. I I don't, I don't doubt you for a moment, but but, but, (laughs) but, but my point being, my point being, we do need a plan for for these events because we do not want people. Uh, thinking, God, I have to go to bed at eight o'clock because I I don't want to turn the heating on, and I you know I'm afraid to do these things. We we need we need we need something, Anthony. Surely that we have to be creative. Yeah, I, I think we have to take every opportunity we can. So warm, you know, advice. The the people are are getting some funding to help with electricity and gas bills, which is not to be sniffed at. People are getting some uh, assistance with retrofitting houses but that's very slow and it's going to take several years to make a difference but i worked it out anthony at mm-hmm. the right that uh, this is true as god i worked it out at the right two thousand years is how long it's going to take dear god i worked it out no no i, I, believe, no, no, I, but that, I believe you that was on that was that can i just say there's also an opportunity there because we've seen these the investment funds saying they're not going to keep building because there's just not enough money to be made well, do you know what? If those lads aren't working, oh, they can be absolutely. retrofitting. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's absolutely. get them in. But no, go, sorry, Anthony, finish your point, though. On, on, yeah. on So any 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 community, there's going to be, you know, there might be a community centre. There might be a cafe there. There might be a parish hall with a tea urn. There's lots of, opera, there might be the GAA, you know, many GAA clubs have great facilities and they're very generous with them. So I think you know, encourage people to if if you're cold at home, go out, go out, socialize a bit, have a cup of tea, warm up a bit, and do your bit. You know, we if we all pull together. We can we with the, we can get through this not without pain, but with minimum damage. That's what we're looking for is minimum damage. And I hope we will, yeah, Anthony. And I think it's been divisive. Uh, this last year in in so many ways in so many ways it's been mm. divisive but as i always say you are my favorite gayler and i do like having a chat with you thank you and and if you and i who are diametrically politically opposed can have a reasonable conversation anybody can thank you very much for coming on and having this discussion with us thank you very much
Listen, folks, we will be back on Sunday with the live show. I'm hoping, hoping that we will have someone to discuss. It's it's funny. We've covered, Martin, you'll know, what, about 18 months now, the, the, this food crisis that is uh, that was in the Irish yeah. Times today. We have, we've been covering it. We we did the Nothing Kills Like Hunger campaign. We did mm. the, the, the starvation in Afghanistan. We've done the food insecurity. It's nice to see it's 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 hitting a, a broadsheet now, but we'll hope to go in more depth well, on, it, on Sunday. It, you know, it could actually hit Ireland. Never mind. It could hit. It, it will hit Ireland. It'll hit everywhere. But my point being that I just find it very. You know, I, I, this is not me trying to say aren't we great, but I think I I was at I went and sat in Buswells and listened to people present on what was happening in the Horn of Africa, and there was a line of government TDs and opposition TDs and everybody thanked the person for the presentation and said, I'm so glad you brought this to my attention. And I felt like digging them all in the back of the head saying, if a lowly bleeding podcaster in Dublin 9 knew that this was been going on, you should have known. You're paid well enough to know that this was happening. So, so I'm so glad you brought that to my attention. Can, can, yeah. I, can I hit you with a figure, Jens? Please oh. do. The, the deaths of the, there's a debt crisis coming in the world's yes. poorest countries, which is going to make everything you've talked about much worse. Yes. They about 18 percent of the population live in those countries, but they represent three percent of the world's GDP. Mm. And the debt is around two percent of the world's GDP. So for two percent, two percent of what we produce in the world, we could remove their debt. Yes, it wouldn't fix. It wouldn't fix everything. It wouldn't solve everything, but it would be a step. Oh, we spoke to Graziella in 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 Brazil the other day about how the IMF treat Latin America differently to mm. how they treat. The, we, I, I'm gonna, I ain't gonna say this because so this is going. Yeah, if you're a white no, country, no, no. you get treated nicer. Tony. It's, it's true. No, 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 no. I want to say something even more importantly to our media colleagues that I've that I've challenged often and 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 that they have the same economists on all the time. Mm. There are Nobel prize nominated economists that we have on all the time. Dirige Alamayu has Nobel Prize nominated. It's true. But you don't mm. like what he says because he says what similar to what Anthony has said. You don't like that. And he talks about Ireland's role in, in illicit financial flows, mm. which is another way of saying a tax mm. haven. You don't like what he says. You need to start listening because that is going to, people are dying of hunger and people are going to die because they're trying to pay a debt that is unsustainable for their economies. So if if you're listening and you're from another media organization, I know many of you are, do better, please, because this is really serious now. This is really serious now. People, food insecurity is going to kill people. We can't just care. A step outside of the echo chambers, Tony. Mm. Sure, I mean, and that's why we're called. Yeah. Echo. It's, it's ironic. That's why yeah. we did it. You know. Yeah. Listen, folks, just unreal. Anyway, we'll talk to you all very soon. Thanks, thanks for the time. And Anthony, as you, as always, it's been a pleasure. Talk yeah, to thank you. Thank you very much. Tony and Martin, Martin and Tony, speaking to interesting people only. It's the Echo Chamber podcast. Subscribe now on Patreon.